In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today, we stand on the precipice of Christmas, one of the two great feast days on the Christian calendar. And here on this fourth and last Sunday of Advent, the lectionary, like St. Matthew, wants us to understand or know a few things before we come together to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. So that is what I'd like us to consider This morning, a few things to know before Christmas. And you consider this, you can consider this something like a a preview of our Christmas Eve celebration or like warm ups before a big football game. The real thing is our celebration of the incarnation. But right now, we're preparing our minds and our hearts for the birth of our Messiah and Lord and God. The first thing that Matthew wants us to know before we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ this Christmas is that the Messiah's birth does not take place in a vacuum. That is to say, the birth of Jesus takes place as the climax of the story of Israel. This is evident from the very first verse of St. Matthew's Gospel, and if you've been coming to our story of the Bible class, and I'll apologize in advance because you've already heard this several times. But starting at verse 1, Matthew says this, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The story that I'm about to tell is the story of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. After this, starting in verse 2, he begins to list those generations. And this continues all the way down to verse 16, after which Matthew writes, So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. From his opening word, St. Matthew wants us to understand that to appropriately celebrate the birth of Jesus and the miracle of the Incarnation, we need to understand that incredible event as part of a larger story that's been going on ever since God said to Abram, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That blessing is now coming to fruition in the birth of this child. Through the birth of this child, through his life, death, resurrection, and ascension, all the families of the earth are blessed, just as God promised to Abraham. I don't have time to rehearse this larger story here, but that's what our story of the Bible class has been all about. We gather on Sundays to worship Jesus. We give thanks for his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. But all of those events only, or maybe primarily, make sense as part of the larger story of Israel that begins with the call of Abraham to be a blessing 
to the whole world. That story begins with Abraham. It weaves its way through the promises made to David that from him would come a king who would have an everlasting kingdom. And then weaves its way to the exile where all the promises of God seem to have failed as God's people depart from God's land and God does the same. But now it weaves its way back to the birth of Jesus the Messiah in whom all the promises of God find their yes. The reason we just spent several weeks telling that story is because without that story, we're going to struggle to understand who Jesus is and the meaning of the things that he said and did. So from the outset, from the very first words of his gospel, St. Matthew reminds us that Christmas comes to us as the beginning of the end as the beginning of the climax of the great story of Israel. So it is in that story that Christmas finds its meaning. If you don't know that story well, I would invite you uh, to find our classes on YouTube. Uh, they, they cover this and try to show how the story of Jesus fits into this greater, larger story of Israel. Second, St. Matthew wants us to understand that the child born on Christmas is not exclusively or an exclusively human child to whom divinity is later added. This is evident from how Matthew tells this story, but I suspect there is something else going on here. Remember that St. Mark was the first person to write a gospel. St. Mark is the first of the gospels to be written. Uh, And when he tells the story of Jesus, he doesn't begin with the birth narrative. He begins instead with John the Baptist. And when Jesus is baptized by John, Mark says that the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove. To be abundantly clear, Mark does not intend this, but many, some, have read this account as if it implies that Jesus was purely human, the offspring of Mary and Joseph, And that divinity was then later added to him at his baptism. This heresy is known as adoptionism. Again, this is not what Mark is saying, but Mark was the first gospel to be written. Matthew is clearly using Mark as a source for his own gospel. So it seems to me fairly evident that Matthew is trying to clear the air. He's trying to make it absolutely clear that Jesus was not, quote-unquote, adopted. He was the biological, he was not the biological son of Mary and Joseph and then later adopted into Godhead, but rather, as Matthew says, when his mother had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. You get what Matthew's doing? It's, it's, it's not that the Holy Spirit just came down on him at his baptism. He has been there present from the moment of his conception. And then Just in case you missed it, the angel repeats it again, saying to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Matthew is 
doubling down on this. And then, just in case you still don't get that Jesus is not the biological son of Joseph, Matthew stresses Mary's virginity by going back to the Old Testament and saying, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And then, One last time in case we're still not getting the picture. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, he married her, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Matthew wants to leave no doubt the child whose birth we celebrate at Christmas is not the biological son of Joseph and Mary, to whom divinity is later added. Instead, he is the biological son of Mary, who was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was not, lad- was not added later to Jesus, but has rather been there with him from the moment he was conceived in Mary's womb. And even more incredibly, Matthew emphasizes that from that moment, from the moment of his conception in Mary's womb, it's not just that the Holy Spirit was with him, but in fact God was with us. It's not just that God or the Holy Spirit was with him, but God was with us. When he was in his mother's womb, he was Emmanuel. God with us. And that leads me to my third point. Christmas is a celebration of the birth of God. I know how theologically problematic that sentence is, but if Mary is Theotokos, if she is the mother of God, the bearer of God, as the church affirms, then as impossible as it might sound, we must say that on the first Christmas, God was born. God, the one who created the world from nothing and brought order to its chaos by the power of his word, was born just like everyone else in this room. The one who sent the flood and promised never to destroy the world again. The one who called Abram and promised to bless the world through his offspring the one who rescued his people out of Egypt and led them to the promised land, the one who promised to David that he would build for him a house and that his heir would have an everlasting kingdom, the one who sent his people into exile because of their sin and is now at last calling them back home so that they can be God's people dwelling with God in God's land, that God was born and laid in a manger. That God grew inside the womb of Mary. That God became one of us forever. Do you understand what that means? If you think you do, you don't, because it's impossible to comprehend. I'm going to use two fancy words. Theology is the study of God. Anthropology is the study of man. We cannot discuss theology without anthropology. We cannot discuss anthropology without theology. 
we cannot tell. We, we, because of the incarnation, we cannot tell the story of God or talk about God without telling the story of humanity. And we cannot tell the story of humanity without telling the story of God. The two are forever inextricably linked because of the child whose birth we celebrate at Christmas, the child who grew in Mary's womb all those months. That child is Emmanuel, God with us. Can you go to the next slide, please? I don't know why it's not changing. We aren't merely here on the fourth Sunday of Advent waiting for our Savior. We're waiting for our God. We aren't merely waiting for the Messiah. We're waiting for Emmanuel. The one who is coming is more than a Savior. He is more than a king. He is more than a child of Abraham and David. He is more than that, but he is not less. He is God with us. Born of the Virgin Mary. God with us forever and ever. And it's his birth we celebrate this Christmas. Amen.